welcome to the Great Loop Radio podcast, brought to you by America's Great Loop Cruisers Association. We're dedicated to sharing Great Loop information and inspiration with those actively cruising, planning for, or dreaming about a Great Loop adventure. I'm Kim Russo. I'm the director of AGLCA. Today, we're continuing our Story of Our Loop series, and we have some of our Gold Loopers here. Bill and Molly Webster are going to be sharing the story of their Great Loop, and we'll bring them in in just a second. Before we do, as always, we want to take a moment to recognize and thank our Admiral sponsors who support AGLCA at the highest level. They are Curtis Stokes & Associates, Great Loop Yacht Sales, Passage Maker Trawler Fest, and Waterway Guide Media. As always, we encourage our listeners and our viewers to support these businesses that support the Great Loop. So I'd like to officially now introduce you to Bill and Molly Webster. Bill and Molly, thanks for joining me again. Thank you, Cal. Great to be here with you, Ken. Great to have you here, too. And I know you've done some webinars out for us, so obviously familiar faces to many of our loopers. Um, but this is a little bit different because this is going to be all about the story of your loop. So let's you know, start off. Tell us what interested you about the Great Loop. What, what made you decide to take off and do it? Well, I, I think uh, we didn't really know what the Great Loop was. We just heard little snippets about it. And you had one of the Looper Lifestyle uh, seminars uh, it was over a weekend in Connecticut back in 2015. And uh, that's certainly what got me booked. And uh, Molly at least was, was said she'd go along for the ride. <laughs> <laughs> so Molly may have been a little reluctant there. Am I sensing that? <laughs> I, I don't know if I was reluctant. I think I was excited, but um, mm -hmm. Bill's kind of a, a boat addict, so. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. And uh, so we were not going to retire until July of 2019. And both of us worked out a deal with our work where we could take three months off. And so in October of 2016, so about a year later, we went down the uh, East Coast and over to the Bahamas and then uh, uh, came back. So we did that part of the loop early on. And then when we both retired, a week after retirement, we were on the boat uh, headed south from Maine again, only this time we turned north up the Hudson River from, in New York City. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's, um, let's talk a little bit about the boat. Tell us what you looped aboard. I, I just wanna start by saying we live on the ocean. And we've always had a boat from a big sailboat to a little uh, Boston whaler. Mm -hmm. And what year was it, Bill, that our Boston whaler broke loose from its mooring, crashed into the rocks? That was August. Right outside our house. Of 2015, just okay. a few months before so the summer. We got really good insurance on that boat, and Bill decided, I think at that point, we had we been to the seminar? No. No, no. But um, he decided he wanted to do a totally different kind of boating. So mm -hmm. um, that's when he started researching boats that we could live on. So we, we were, uh, and, and we've taken a different tack than, than probably the typical looper. We wanted a boat that was big enough to live on, but small enough to trail because we, we wanted a boat that was gonna last more than just the loop. 
And we ended up with a small trawler uh, called the Rossboro RF246. And uh, the Rossboro and there are probably another four or five makes out there that are both trailable and, and livable. And so between our two experiences that led to the completion of the loop, we lived on the boat for almost a year. Yeah, and it's interesting that you said that because a lot of, you know, I think there's this perception that loopers buy a boat for the loop and then they sell it. And um, well, for many people that is true, it's not always that they sell it because they're getting out of boating. It's because they sell it because unless you're actively looping, you don't often need a boat of the size that you're looping in. So for example, ours is 40 feet, right on the average of looper boats. Um, but we have had the discussion and there's no clear answer yet, but you know, after this, what's next? It doesn't make sense to us to have this boat sitting in Charleston where dockage is hugely expensive and have a home in Charleston. And one of the options on the table is something smaller and trailerable so that we can tow it back to well, the places we we'd like to, to explore. Yeah. <laughs> skip, you can skip that middle step having had lots of boats before. Um, yeah. So, you know, tell us about the advantage for you for trailerable. So uh, for one thing, it, it allowed us to uh, do things in sections. So for example, uh, I recently completed the Down East Circle Loop and we uh, had already gone from Maine to uh, uh, the Erie Canal as part of the loop. We trailed it over to uh, Lake Champlain and did the Champlain Canal to connect back to Waterford where the Erie Canal begins and then up to Burlington. And then two years later, we trailed to Burlington and went through the canal system to the St. Lawrence to Quebec City, where Molly left me. She no longer does large open water <laughs> crossing. And then a friend of mine joined me and we continued uh, on around the gas bay. We even went to Newfoundland and back. Mm -hmm. uh, Plus, Bill amazing. has a dream, of, and I don't know if this is going to happen, but of someday trailing the boat across country and getting into Alaska waters. So yeah. we got a lot of options yeah. and maybe absolutely maybe Baja waters. Mm -hmm. So, and uh, we've already trailered to Florida. One, I mean, once you've done cross, we've done the ICW uh, twice in one direction and one time in the other direction, which is and, enough. And that was, enough. <laughs> but to be able to trailer down to Florida or the Georgia sea islands or to go to the Bahamas again, we've now we're planning a fourth trip to the Bahamas. Uh, this winter. Uh, it just gives so much uh, flexibility. And, you know, the key to us, I think, in making a small boat livable is having canvas that you can enclose the cockpit. Mm -hmm. So we had the typical V berth. We had uh, oh, a small think, berth. Yes, but we could both sleep in it. And we had mm -hmm. a, a cabin with a galley and a, a sofa. And then our uh, uh, dinette table was in the cockpit. Yeah. We have a shower back there too. Yeah. And uh, Molly can take a nap on the couch and I can take one of the V-Birth. If a boat can do that, uh, <laughs> then you probably have made. <laughs> Plus we, I don't know if this is, relates to the question, but we can basically beach our boat. Mm -hmm. So we, we have a very shallow draft. We can go many places that large boats can't go. Maybe that's another question, but. Well, but no, so, you know, and, and talking about, you know, kind of the advantages of having a smaller trailerable boat. So the Rossboro 246 is an outboard, correct? Yes. Correct. 
So we have uh, uh, two outboards, a main motor and a kicker, which mm -hmm. came in handy a couple times. I think having two uh, engines, or whatever they might be, is, is helpful. The other thing, our boat only draws uh, two and a half feet. Mm -hmm. So when it came to anchoring, we could always go in front of whoever else is there. Right. And have to uh, uh, much less uh, dinging to get to shore. Uh, just there are a lot, a lot of advantages uh, anchoring in the shallower water. Uh, so we're very happy with our choice. It wouldn't be for everybody, but we'd. Uh, um, you don't have to have a large boat to have a wonderful experience during the week. Yeah, and I'm glad you said that because you really did have, obviously, a very similar experience to everybody else. You got to go the same places everybody went. Probably had a little bit of an easier time of it in some of the skinny water. Um, and certainly things like dockage are less expensive, but tell us, you know, kind of your cruising preference. Did you choose to anchor a lot or did you stay in marinas a lot or some of both? We've been talking about that this afternoon in preparation mm -hmm. for talking to you. <laughs> I, I liked it all, honestly. I think our intention originally was to do more anchoring, but, um, it was almost half in marinas right yeah yeah uh and i love the marinas too so the marinas are where you could meet up with people right. um but even with anchoring we could we had our dinghy and we could ding on your shore um yes. but we liked it we liked it all i mean with anchoring you go into remote places maybe that are like mm -hmm. little small hideaways um but yeah i, I, I like the variety we probably we probably tried to do no more than uh, uh, 40 miles or so uh, with the idea that we wanted to be at a, a, a new location by early afternoon where so maybe we'd have lunch on the boat or maybe we'd go ashore and have lunch. Often we found that you can get a much better deal in a restaurant eating lunch there as opposed mm -hmm. to dinner. Sure. Uh, and we also found that uh, uh, many places, uh, the restaurants weren't anything to write home about. Uh, so lunch was, uh, was a good thing to do. And then we also loved exploring. And uh, certainly we explored on the water, but also there's a great deal of exploring to do on land, whether it be on foot, bicycle, or, or, or car rental. So we've, and we can talk more about it. We learned so much about history uh, and just a great appreciation for what our country has to offer. Yeah. And I do want to talk about, you know, some of that, some of those experiences, but, um, on, on about that, what's the, the length overall feet? Is it a little bit bigger length overall? So the, uh, um, it's, uh, 25 feet and then we have a, a stern extension with the outboards. So all together, it's 28, 29 feet. Okay. Um, so Molly mentioned the dinghy. And on a boat that size, some might find it hard to figure out where you put a dinghy. So well, tell us how you solved that problem. Yeah, and that's a very good question. One of the things that Roscoe has, at least ours does, is a full roof over the cockpit. So we have it's all... Flat. Yeah, it's, it's flat. flat. So we have all kinds of space. So not only did we have... Uh, uh, our dinghy on the roof with a motor. We had a davit lift. Uh, we also had a two-person kayak on, on the roof. And uh, so being able to kayak or dinghy was flexibility that not everybody has. 
Yeah. Any other modifications or any other special features that the Rossboro had that made it, you know, more livable for you for about a year? Well, I, 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 again, we took the dinette table out of the cabin and put it to the cockpit, which allowed us to put in a, a, a sofa, basically. Mm -hmm. And so I think that made the boat much more comfortable. Uh, you know, we ended up, uh, we, we put a TV in, but we were so busy exploring what we did. We didn't really watch, uh, watch a lot of that. We have, you know, an iPad that could, uh, show movies, uh, but again, uh, exploring where we went was, was our number one uh, pick. I'm just trying to think. Uh, Plus we had cocktail hour on the roof. Yeah, we often. did, yeah, or, or on the <laughs> Sunset cocktail hour yeah, on, right. on the roof. <laughs> nice. And it's interesting, so our, our boat is named Salty Fox, mm -hmm. uh, but we, uh, when we did the loop, we happened to be dogless then, but we, uh, our, our dog, it's a Portuguese water dog is lying down right here. Hey, Tori. <laughs> uh, so she's been to Bahamas and uh, nice. Yeah. So let's take a quick break and play a message from a sponsor. When we come back, I do want to kind of um, dive into some of the places you explored and what some of those highlights were. And, you know, you mentioned seeing the history of the country. So let's, we'll talk about all that when we come back. So we'll be back in just a moment. Let our friend John Heenan at SkyMed explain to you why your health insurance does not pay or only pays for a small portion of emergency medical travel transport. Say you're on the loop in Canada and have Medicare. You must get back to the USA to be covered once you are stabilized. That also is true for the Bahamas. No worries, SkyMed pays for transportation to your home hospital by a private medical jet, helicopter, or other means that can keep you stable until you reach the destination from anywhere in the world. Pets with you, they go home with you. What about your boat? Call John Heenan for more information at 954-520-4553. Our friends at Argo Navigation have created a free boating app that gives AGLCA boaters an easier way to plan their trip, navigate safely, and share information with fellow loopers. Argo has nautical chart coverage throughout North America, auto or manual routing, depths and tracks to avoid shallow water, trip details while en route, and a captain's log to save everything. You can also see other boaters, message them, and share experiences with in-app social features. Coming soon is a premium version with weather, wind, tides, offline charts, and more. Download the Argo Boating app on the App Store or Google Play. We are back on the Great Loop Radio podcast. With me today are Bill and Molly Webster. We are talking about their Great Loop adventure on their Rossboro RF-246. And um, Bill and Molly, we were just getting ready to jump into, you know, what you experienced, because you mentioned that a lot of the trip for you was really exploring shoreside. So tell us a little bit about that. What types of things did you seek out um, that maybe were a little bit different than what some loopers were doing? Well, we always got off the boat every day, uh, noon or one o'clock. And if we were in a town, we would always go to the business, visitor center. Mm -hmm. um, we, we went to a lot of little local museums, which was wonderful. Um, and I particularly enjoyed the towns in the Midwest because we, we don't have relatives there. We, had, we really would have no reason to go there other than the loop. And we just learned so much about 
the history of the country, uh, which was fascinating. Um, but we did a lot of hiking. We did a lot of hiking in your area. Uh, we had a great time in Charleston. Um, I have an old friend who lives in Charleston who's, who spent two days showing us all around. He lives in one mm -hmm. of the south of Broad houses. Um, I don't know. You know. So one of the things that I would say uh, to any prospective looper uh, or once you get out there, uh, be willing to change your plans. When we started the loop, the Finger Lakes was not on our radar at all because we were going to take the Oswego Canal up to uh, you know, Lake Ontario and the St. Lawrence. But some would say, oh, you got to go to the Finger Lakes. Well, we went to uh, Seneca Falls, which is a fantastic city with a uh, museum and national park about the role of women, which I didn't expect. That was new. We went uh, to Cayuga Lake and uh, down, uh, we did some hiking to a waterfall that is taller than ever, the Everest, taller than Niagara mm -hmm. Falls. Mm -hmm. uh, so just experiences like that, that I didn't expect was great. I'd, I'd say on that, we just listened to the local people, you know, where, do, where should we go? Mm -hmm. And that was very helpful. I mean, we looked up, we looked things up in the books and the guidebooks and all that. Um, yeah. But we, we asked the locals. Well, yeah, like and we that's were, a great way to do it. Yeah. We were in Waterford and the Erie Canal was shut down for three days. So we couldn't go anywhere. We didn't have a car. We didn't really want to rent. But we walked to uh, the town just south of Waterford and saw the original Erie Canal uh, uh, off the Mohawk have, River. Have you seen that? It's really interesting. Yes. I took a very long walk when I was in Waterford okay. and kind of saw, well, you know, kind of the, the falls and the rapids that the canal is there to navigate around, right. um, but also parts of the original canal. Which are about the size of a, a truck. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's, it was very interesting. When uh, we uh, spent a night at the wall in Oswego, which is mm -hmm. just uh, as you enter the lake, and uh, this Fort Oswego that was a mile and a half walk. We like to walk. And we walked there not knowing really what to find. And here is this historic fort that's gone back and forth between the US and British and a number of times, the French at one point, I guess. Uh, but the thing that surprised us is that it was a holding cell in effect for 900 Jews that got allowed to go into the United States during World War II under the proviso that they would leave at the end of the war. Um, and just little things like that. Um, we love the Thousand Islands. But, uh, uh, you know, we, I, I would definitely recommend go to both castles. They're both very different. Mm -hmm. And even though we, we weren't sure whether we'd like it or not, it was a fascinating story. Um, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the North Channel uh, in Canada was spectacular, but we did something uh, different than most loopers in that we wanted to go to, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember the uh, Canadian National Park, Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Peninsula. Mm -hmm. And so we took the southern shore of Georgian Bay as opposed to the northern shore. And maybe with our trailable boat, we'll go back and do the northern <laughs> shore. Yeah, it becomes an option for sure.
Yeah. Uh, so you uh, mentioned um, the Erie Canal being closed for a few days, and you in in your pre-interview you kind of listed that as one of the challenges. So tell us a little bit about that because. Um, right now, we've we've got some lot closures going on on the Illinois Waterway. Um, so people hear about waterway closures and always um, get a little curious, and some get a little anxious about that. So tell us what happened the year you were coming through the Erie Canal. Well, the uh, well actually, I'll, I'll soon jump to the Illinois Canal. But the on the Erie Canal, uh, we had the, that closure for three days. Found other things to do locally, and it, it was not an impediment at all to our trip, and really didn't mm -hmm. interrupt anything. The Illinois, though, was a different story. You may remember, not unlike this year or last year, uh, the Illinois was closed for some substantial repairs. This would have been the fall of uh, 2019. Yes. And so we ended up staying a little extra in Chicago, but when it became clear when the wind would be, uh, when the window would be, we took off, and uh, um, we were in the uh, first group of 27 boats that went through uh, the lock uh, together. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, you've got to be patient on the locks. They may tell you it's going to be three hours and it ends up being six right. or an over, or it ends up, they say three hours and it ends up, you know, we'll take you now. You just got to be flexible because our, the canal system, whether, well, particularly the Illinois River, uh, first priority is to commercial boats. That's right. And so it's a privilege to be able to go through. And um, and I also, when, when you're stuck somewhere, you're not the only one stuck there. There are other boats. And we always found that all the boats that were stuck were in communication. Mm -hmm. So it just made it feel safe and easier. Yeah. So and I we're on. Joliet Wall with 27 boats yeah, or something, yeah. yeah. We were yeah. Uh, double and triple tied up. Uh, uh, so that, that really worked out well. And, and I don't know, it may be the reverse now, but when we did the Illinois River, uh, two months prior, things had been closed because it was 40 feet above flood stage. Yes. So in going down the Illinois River, it was still high, but passable. Uh, you could we could go right over the wing dams, for example, no problem. We still saw the the wing dams. The anticipation of the wing dams terrified me. Really, it turned out not to be a big deal, but there was just a lot of talk about you know, the stuff that you can run into, and it just wasn't a big yeah. deal because it's pretty obvious where they are. Yeah, I don't know if you had that same experience. But. Well, when we went through last year, the water was really low, and you could actually see most of the yeah. wing dams. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, in general, when the water's higher and you can't see them, you do know where they are, and you know, you really yeah. shouldn't be that far outside the channel anyway. Right. Um, but it's another low water year, so those you know that's presenting some other challenges. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, just to go down the Illinois River and see these houses that were. 25, 30 feet up on stilts. Mm -hmm. You know, just it should, they have to live with this every year. And this was a, a new experience for us. Um, we uh, uh, went to Alton, which is right where the Illinois and, uh, uh, or it's on the Mississippi, uh, just after where the Illinois comes in. And that's where we rented a car. And, you know, one, we wanted to go to St. Louis. We loved the arch. We saw a baseball game. 
we went to the Budweiser Brewery, which is fantastic. But also, we're going along. We see a sign for the, I think it's Chahokia Indian, Indian Mounds. Well, what's that? And here was a an indigenous people that made a landmark that was every bit as big as anything else. It happened to be earthen. Um, and, you know, I've read about the so-called prehistory and there's no, you know, there's nothing that carries over, but here was this big uh, monument to what they had done and left. Uh, other little things, you know, in Alton, uh, there was uh, information about the world's tallest man at the time and uh, going to his statue and taking a picture of ourselves near it. Or there was a minister of Maine, by, from Maine, by the name of Lovejoy, we are Maine, from Maine, and uh, who had moved to Alton, set up a printing press in, uh, uh, against slavery, and was ultimately killed, uh, you know, pre-Civil War, just little stories like that were fascinating. Um, we loved, uh, well, the, the, the going down the Mississippi was high, uh, but we did it with other boats and we got through fine. And then we got to the uh, Tennessee River. Paducah was a wonderful. The, uh, you oh, may, did you, you may go have to been, the Colt Museum? Did, yep. <laughs> the best museums I've ever So ever if you had to. told me, uh, you know, you're going to go to the Quilt Museum. No, I'm not, I'm not interested in the Museum. It was fantastic. So all yeah. those filters out there, go to the Quilt Museum. We were fascinated by the land between the lakes, between, uh, you know, the Illinois and Cumberland Rivers, uh, which uh, a lot had been flooded uh, when those dams were opened up, including Fort, I think it was uh, Henry, which was the site of the first Union incursion into uh, uh, Confederate lands, and, and there were four Confederate soldiers that died. So we were intrigued, and we spent a day walking around trails in the land between the lakes, and we actually found the cemetery uh, with these four gravestones. Wow. And it, uh, you know, and it was labeled what War w Between no, WBTS. Or between like, the states. Well, we yeah. have to figure out. Wow. What WTBS, BTS. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's fascinating. I have not heard that from loopers before. We had the yeah. opportunity to drive a little bit around. I don't remember why we had a rental car, but in the land between the lakes and go to the um, where you can see the buffalo. Um, there's kind of a drive through area where there's lots of wildlife that you can see. Um, mm -hmm. So that was pretty neat. But um, so what um, what advice would you have for somebody who's considering doing the loop? Don't overpack. Oh, yeah. Halfway through the loop, we, we sent all these boxes home with clothing. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. If you what you wear today, you can wear tomorrow because you're not going to see the same people. And even if you do, nobody cares. Exactly. <laughs> They're wearing the same thing too. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. Now we see. did have temperatures go from 25 to 100 degrees over the course of our loop. So that's a pretty yeah. big range. So where did you hit the 25 degrees? Uh, in Alabama. Can you believe it, Alabama? Alabama yeah. was the coldest part of our loop. <laughs> yep. And what time was, of year was it? It was in November. Okay. Uh, December. 
No. We, oh, we, we went, went for Thanksgiving. Yeah, we got yeah. down to Orange Beach. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I'm sitting here in Alabama here in October, so I better get moving soon because I'm yeah. not up for 25. <laughs> uh, I think the um, certainly you want a, a seaworthy boat, uh, but uh, within that, uh, after that criteria, there's so many boats out there that are more than adequate. I mean, you know, right. I'm not planning on or wouldn't advocate doing it on a jet ski. I know there are people that have done that type of thing, but uh, but a boat, uh, and you know, again, for us, uh, don't dismiss a, a smaller boat. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't need a washer and dryer to enjoy the. We did have air conditioning uh, and heat, so. <laughs> but the, all the marinas have washers and dryers. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Exactly. Um, exactly. Also, I mean, I don't know who's going to go to the Bahamas. It's really not part of the loop, but it's kind of a. A good side trip. Yeah. We thought we had read that finding groceries is impossible in the Bahamas, but that is just not true. It's a little, you know, you have to plan because the ship comes in certain days and brings their um, supplies, but there was plenty of good food to buy in the Bahamas. So, yeah. And, and Kim, uh, I should also share, because I don't think many loopers have done this. We actually crossed our wake in Bimini. Oh, wow. That yeah. is pretty unique. Yep, I don't hear that a lot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had a, a cart um, that we used to get haul our groceries, right, uh, and our fuel at times because the fuel yeah. at the gas station was much cheaper than the marinas. Or or uh, water sometimes. Mm -hmm. Again, we went to some remote remote places. Right. Um, I think uh, um, you know. The crossing is obviously uh, uh, the thing that can be of concern to most people. Mm -hmm. and not being on a schedule, and unfortunately, we were on a schedule. We are the last. Uh, we are like the ten thousand. Yeah. Person but not being that, on like, a oh schedule gives you the flexibility to cross when you'll be comfortable. Exactly. Yep. So we are running out of time. I do want to point out for anyone who is listening, um, AGLCA members have access to the two different webinars that Bill and Molly have participated in with us. So if you are intrigued, um, they did do one about looping on a smaller boat, and they've also done one for us on um, off the beaten path about some of the things that they went and explored that a lot of loopers don't actually take the time or you know have the uh, know-how to figure out well, wow, that there's something really nice <laughs> that I'd like to see nearby. So those are two webinars. We recently released a lot of our webinars uh, to our membership. So they're on our website for AGLCA members free of charge. So definitely check them out. And um, Molly and Bill, thanks for joining me and sharing the details of your loop. I think you've inspired some to, to not discount those smaller boats that are easy to get to other places when you finish. And just two quick things. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, love Nebo which yes. provides, mm -hmm. but with your membership is a great way to find other loopers. And we've used that a lot. And the other thing is, you know, we finished the loop and uh, we're so pleased uh, that we had the opportunity for one flat rate to become in effect lifetime members. And it's just wonderful to continue to associate with loopers and provide whatever knowledge that, that can be helpful. We were watching Nebo when we were up in Canada. Yeah. just to yeah. keep up with those loopers.
Yeah. It's a lot of fun. So yeah, we'll have to do a web or um, a podcast on Nebo soon because it's been a while. So I'm sure you've just uh, also piqued some interest in from listeners who maybe are not too familiar with Nebo. So we'll try and schedule that pretty soon. So um, you know, again, thank you. We may uh, we don't know what our next plan is after we finish the loop, but Maine is on our list in the Down East Loop. So oh. um, we may be cruising your area. So hopefully, we'll our paths yep. will cross on the water at some point. Very good. Great talking to you. All right. You as well. Thanks for joining us. And thanks to everyone who's watched or listened today. We'll be back next week with another episode of the Great Loop Radio podcast. Until then, safe cruise. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.